0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Standing in Two Worlds with Professor Sam Juni, and we're joined today also by my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Shmuel Dr. Juni made me aware about a book that has become a phenomena in the religious world. It's a book by Dr. Shleimi Zimmerman called From Boys to men, and it is considered groundbreaking because it deals with particularly uh, teenage sexuality in the from world, especially from the boy's perspective, and issues that up until this point were sometimes considered taboo, not spoken about, and the book is a call for involvement. I do not have the book, but I did listen on a rival podcast to Dr. Schleimi himself about the importance of this book, uh, that this book wanted to, in a way, push away the taboos of speaking about sex. It was trying to obviate a guilt spirals that he believes happens, because as he quotes Reforma Volbo, that masturbation is an act that is done by most of the generation of Volvo wrote this in 1982. And most people cannot stop themselves from being involved in this. We have to own up to this. We have to realize and we have to not put terrible guilt trips onto our, our sons and students. In fact, in fact, Dr. Zimmerman says that parents have to be involved. They have to be ready to have the talk at an early age even before the body changes are occurring as these 9 and 10 year olds are hearing from their friends about what does it mean to to grow into puberty and become a young man to be there to not have their head put into the sand but be willing to discuss it in a in an open and encouraging way so he believes this book is necessary because there's so many kids out there who, unfortunately, because they are dealing with a tremendous burden of guilt, they believe themselves ugly and terrible and disgusting. And what he would like to do with this book, which he says is popping off the shelves, yeshivas and camps, they're all asking for it because it's so important. What he wants to do is get the parents involved. He wants to uh, put it into uh, the ideas of sexuality being the open, and it should all be laced with all the divrei kedusha in chazal in a way that we have healthy, normal kids, boys in this case, who are going to not be sufferers. He he mentions how his approach is different than the standard psychological approach, which, is of course, why we have Dr. Sam here, and he oh, he mentions. That he believes that otherwise what we are asking for, especially as these, we are asking our children to be courageous in the spirit of the day where they are bombarded by so many options for pornography and other things, we need to uh, address this. Otherwise, we might have young men who through high school and their uh, older uh, adolescent years are racked with guilt. And when they go into marriages, they don't shed those problems. Those problems are exacerbated in marriage. So that's sort of a brief summary of what he said he thinks the book was meant to do. Now, Dr. Juni, why don't you begin and say you skimmed this book and um, you have a little bit of a different perspective? Okay.
1: My my overall perspective, a large perspective, is that um, we live in an art scroll age Where we tend, I mean, at least the, the organized yeshivish slash Haredi world tries to idealize and actually distorts the reality of what's been going on in, you know, in Europe, what, what Jewish life was like and what the standard is or is supposed to be. And when it comes to, um, sexuality, especially, um, Learning about sexuality, these guys really go out totally out of the box. So that's been my experience. Whereas my, my data comes from seeing many people. I have to say no parents have ever come to me with a kid and say, here's a bunch of thousand dollars. There's nothing wrong to my kid. Why don't you talk to him? Okay. So I'm dealing with a sample of people who have problems. But then again, I also deal with, with kids in general around non-educational issues. And I'd say this is a burning issue for many adults, for, for, not many, for all adolescents. I've never met an adolescent who's not troubled by sexuality. And of course, there is a taboo around sexuality. The taboo has nothing to do with Frumkite or Judaism. Taboos, is there all over the place. But so I, so I just want to raise certain points. The notion that this book is written about boys is very nice. Um, there should be a book written for girls as well. In fact, I think it should be the same book because the issues are the same. The real issues over here are number one, feeling that you're different from your peers, not from ideal standards or what you're supposed to just to be different than other kids. Number two, that there's something wrong with you. He he does mention these issues is there, and number three that you're crazy. Those are the three the three main issues. And that comes up basically from one problem. And that one problem is that we don't tell people statistical facts. We don't tell kids statistical facts. We don't tell prospective brides and grooms statistical facts. That's a sin. That's a sin from a psychiatric perspective. You don't need more. You don't need a book like this. You need a book made up of three sentences. Number one, The kinds of things you're doing, being curious about sexuality, exploring yourself, having sexual play with others is statistically very common. When I say very common, we're talking about 99 point something, maybe 98.9. But yes, everybody you know masturbates. How often do I masturbate? I don't know. I have better things to do. But everybody masturbates. Everybody thinks he's gay. The bottom line is that you are not crazy. You're not necessarily gay. You might be. I don't know if you want to introduce that. I mean, this is something I looked through the book. I couldn't find the word gay at all in the whole book. And that's that's a travesty because statistically speaking, there are a number of people who are gay, but most of the kids, at least in the system, as far as we know, are not gay. So it doesn't mean the fact that you experiment with someone else, but it's just that fact That fact alone would do more for anybody than this book. And of course, this is something that the art scroll establishment does not allow because we can't possibly admit that, whoa, oh no, you're supposed to think that nobody does it and you're supposed to feel guilty, but don't feel guilty enough to actually go crazy because we don't want you to end up going to psychologists who have all these false ideas about reality and what should be. And we don't. I don't think I have a false idea about reality. I'm not talking about should, because I don't even know how to spell should. That's not what I'm dealing with. All I do is tell these kinds of people,
0: I know you have a problem, you're falling apart. Hey, this doesn't mean that you're different. Let me bring in Rabbi's case, because one of the reasons I called Rabbi's case when I knew you wanted to speak about this was because Rabbi Skaist, in so many ways, in the last number of years, has advanced himself from what he has always been, which was an incredible teacher and, and someone who dealt with so many boys and girls in their teenage years, who had d- did it in a very wonderful Torah way, and is now armed with a lot of psychological knowledge and is now, in many ways, able to, to deal with them from special clinical perch. So Rabbi Schaist, what what's your feeling about this book and what sam has just said
2: well it's interesting so first of all i just want to respond a little bit like groundbreaking this book is not in terms of the rest of the world but you know often the things that were groundbreaking 20 30 years ago in the rest of the world become groundbreaking in the firm world i think the fact that this book has come out means that people are talking about it means that it's that it that it's a an an issue that's being discussed and being dealt with in a more open way than in the past. I do agree with Dr. Juni that, that that there are some issues here, but I all, I wanted to point out that I you know I I think there were some editorial decisions made here that that really point in the direction of what you're saying. So for example, when they talk about how boys develop feelings of sexuality, it the book says most boys develop feelings of attraction to girls which I think actually is an advance in turn. So it's not using the word gay, but it's not saying simply boys develop attraction to girls. Frankly, Rabbi, I thought he was meaning to exclude those who don't
1: admit to themselves that they develop sexual feelings at all. I thought that was his exclusion.
2: Interesting. I don't know. That's a good question, but I, I, I took it, uh, I guess, in a, in a, in the best possible way that they're being incl- inclusive. But the, the thing is, I, I do agree with you. I think that one of the issues, you know, I, I deal with, uh, now with a lot of clients who are struggling with sexual compulsion or sexual addiction, whatever name you want to give to it. Cause I'm aware that there's a, a big debate about what these are, but there are out of control behaviors that are really harming their relationships with their, Spouses. I'm, de- uh, but I'm. Uh, I'm also dealing with situations where the spouse is what they call the, you know, the the uh, betrayed spouse, right? And so I I really think that what you just said is is a fantastic idea that that somehow the firm world is missing, and that is when you are educating in such separate directions for men and women, they're going to end up living together, right? That's that's the goal. The goal is that they should be married and have a sexual relationship, intimacy. And when, when we're educating them in completely different directions with a completely different, so to speak, derech, it shouldn't be any wonder that there, that there are a lot of issues that come up. Right. And so I think that the idea that sort of you didn't say it explicitly as an idea. Well, you did. You said the book should be written for both if it's being written. And I think uh, from my experience, I think that would, be, that would add tremendously because there's a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding because of that, I think. So I, I don't know if that's the point you wanted to make, but. Rabbi's case the book and again, I don't have a copy of it but is it written for the
0: teenager or adolescent boy or is it written for the parents the
2: parents and, and mechanchim.
0: so you, you believe the book is 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 missing and by even though we could say it's a book for teachers of boys and that uh, and, and you admit that it, it it's some progress from the way things were you know a couple of years ago you think that uh, uh, the book by definition, should have had sections dealing with how to deal with girls also struggling with body issues.
1: I want to just tweak something that Rabbi case said, and that is that what often happens because of the taboo, when sexuality itself is tabooed and becomes vilified and seen in negative light, so are the symbols of sexuality, which, to each gender is the other gender. So, like for me, if I'm a good guy who is in proper chasson classes and my of bismedish, wherever I study, see, sex is bad and women are bad. But their sex is a necessary evil. We do just like they teach us in Catholic school, right? Uh, you have to do it even though God doesn't approve. But the same token, women—women women are also like strange people. Or each gender, by the way, is taught to think that the other gender. Consists of sexual fiends, like a one hundred percent sexual fiends, and it's my deal to go through this without getting infected by that mishigas. And that, by the way, is totally reciprocal, both for men and for boys.
0: Well, Sam, I I, I got this sense from the way Doctor Zimmerman was talking that he is he is very against that sort of demonization. Sure. And he I, he I he, he 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 believes that if, if we deal with these issues up front. We could still promote a life of Kedusha as a standard that's possible to reach while still being uh, rooted in reality of what's going on. And Mm -hmm. he actually talks, he talked about today on when I was listening to him, I heard him mention the uh, expressing to the the young men, the holiness of sex, the, how it's, how, how important it is. How it's, do me a favor.
1: (laughs) How about just addressing to them the non craziness of sex? Leave me alone with holy. Just, it's not crazy. I mean, I see these same problems in people who are atheists. If they were raised with a puritanical perspective, this is what we're dealing with. The the, the Torah stuff or whatever, it's nice, but that's not the real problem. The taboo is there and just clear the air with the taboo. Well,
2: the the biggest struggle in the book is in is masturbation, obviously, right? So which sp- which of course is barely mentioned.
1: It's put down in terms of having nocturnal emissions. Masturbation gets like very minor footing, like maybe supporting actor in terms of devising the music. That's it.
2: Yeah, there's there's three or four three and a half pages of it where he does uh, quote Revolvi. And the exact quote actually is, the vast majority of young people stumble in this area and are incapable of totally overcoming this problem. The vast majority of people stumble in this area and
1: practice it at least on a weekly basis. That's what I would say. And I'm not ashamed about that. That's the truth, okay? And the vast majority of our
2: youngsters view porn. Right, absolutely. Even the guy who is up for third Seder, Absolutely. And that and that is the main reason why this book doesn't go far enough, because even though the book and Dr. Zimmerman talks about the fact that kids are being exposed to things at a younger age, it does not specifically explain what they're being exposed to and why that would argue for, not as explicit, obviously, but for an explicit recognition of these things. And by way of following it
1: up, and that means you're not crazy. You're not different. If you want to become holy like the Basilish Sharma or whatever, yes, you can try to deal with that, but when you fail, you're simply normal. You're trying to be super normal because you have some higher standards.
0: Look, I can't I can't be Dr. Zimmerman's advocate because I haven't read the book and I can't speak for him. But I think he's more in your court than you are giving him credit for. I think Rabbi Skast is onto something. He needs to get the, he wants this book to have, to, to spread in the yeshiva shakloisen. In order to do that, he can't do 25 pages about masturbation. He I has to be mitzvahmzim. So he's sort of, you know, in a way, you know, trying to at least bring some light into what has been a very dark and ridiculous place.
1: I'm totally on with that. That's why I started with the larger art scroll censoring issue. I understand them fully. Look, Kinsey had the same thing from us, the regular psychiatric field. Kinsey got the same abuse, not from a religious perspective, just for being wrong.
2: Dr. Juni, I'll share a story with you. There was a uh, a, a very big Talmud Chacham. I'm not going to say anything more than that, because I don't want to give away where this happened, who was wanted to speak to, this, to his Talmudim, about masturbation. So he called a shir klali, And all the rabbeim and all the talmidim were in the Beis Medrash. And he said, uh, look, I want to speak about a difficult topic. Hatzar Zalvatala. Anyone who struggles with this, raise your your hand. (laughs) So nobody raised their hand. So he said, okay, let's start over. I want to talk, and he repeated himself, I want to talk about Hatzar Zalvatala, difficult topic. Anyone who struggles with this, raise your hand. And he raised his hand. And every hand in the room went up, including the other of Beautiful. I will tell you that I didn't have the guts to do that. But in my shiurim every year, I would tell that story. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it would bring up the topic. I I think that's the point that you're making. And I agree. The book goes to the extent that it can, given the editorial considerations of the From press today, but it doesn't go far enough in terms of really helping young people understand how normal this is.
0: You know, Sam, we've talked off-pod about your uh, understanding of this bugaboo, the Isra Vaitzah Zerla in In the interview that people can watch of Dr. Zimmerman, it, it was compared to the Aveira of Lashon Hara, that everybody knows how terrible it is, but yet everybody seems to be nichshol in it consistently. And there wasn't some talk about how uh, no one's denying uh, the, the power of either. You, however, believe that this whole isr, by is something that is not authentically from the Torah, at least not the way it's come down to us.
1: Let me take the easier step first, because soon we'll have to call this standing in one part of the world with one, you know, I, so let me just say that, um, definitely according to the Rishonim's view, and I, I, I I've done some Talmudic studying in my day. Okay. It is not 100% agreed upon by all that this is the boogeyman that it's presented as by some of the people who are major educators today. So the issue is um let's say you have um a citation saying that you have a, if you have a choice between masturbating and having sex with a uh, married woman you should do the latter which of course everybody says no 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 but it's, it's a real citation it's not a joke it's a real citation there are citations in the Gemara that say that rather than embarrassing somebody you should commit suicide so for most of the kids, you talk to them about the iser of masturbation. Masturbation is like killing people, killing thousands of people a day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cut it out. Just cut it out. If it's used in, by certain people who really believe in that they're a minority. It's used, as I probably believe, it's a used as a way of argumentation. So that's the part that still fits. So basically, let
0: me in. just put it into Talmudic terms for you. In other words, the gemara and Nida that talk is about and biyad Right. In other words, the act of of adultery using your hand or, you know, hand sex, even though it says that you're high Misa and then it's codified by Rebbein Yonah, you're saying that sometimes Hazal, like when it comes to embarrassing someone in public, will sometimes use extreme terms because clearly Hazal didn't think it was a positive thing. They thought it could definitely, definitely Hazal, even you admit Chazal look at it askance, but they use extreme terminology referring to it because that's the Dera chazal to sometimes employ... I
1: don't admit that all we've shown them look at it askance. I do not. There are citations uh, prominent on the Talmud folios. You can find them. They're saying that, sure, if you use it as a way so that you are not involved in productive
0: propagation of the species, you're a bad dude fine. But otherwise, he's not a bad dude. In other words, er onen and menaphimbiad is because instead of consummating a, a, a sexual act, right. you actually withdraw. So that's considered seed spilling, because here you are with the possibility of actually creating life, and you right. don't, that's the aveira, yes. as opposed to er, uh, you know, deciding to pleasure himself beforehand that would be different. Similarly, I would say, although you're not saying this, that Menafim Biad, when the Gemara calls Masachim Bitinokos, which we already have spoken about last year, it's all about masturbation where there's another person there. And that's where there's another human being that you're involved with. Menafim Biad, meaning that in, in a way you're afraid to consummate with the eshazish, but instead, I'll say it: you 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 want her to give you a hand job. So that's what Chazal mean when they're talking about menaf and biyad. You basically are involved with a married woman, but instead of uh, of, of having a complete act of with her, you do things in that way.
1: You're making you're making me too radical. What I'm saying is that I am sure there are people in the Gemara who don't agree with that and in the Rishonim. I'm not saying that there aren't people who really have this kind of, pardon me, Catholic view of any sexuality and especially one that's not oriented towards propagating the species. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure that that is the, I mean, what I lament really is that this is the, View that's become prevalent and that's being pushed. There are others that are there as well. And I've seen again, I'm going to sound like, like a a real feminist radical now, but the point is there are other points of view there, which people could have said at least that ain't so clear. Some people disagree. Some people see this merely as X or Y. That's all. all. That's all somebody needs to get out of.
0: Really demoralizing guilt. So, so, he's, so we could really have told, although probably Rabbi Dr. Zimmerman couldn't have done this. He couldn't book, have done that because he would have been kicked out, right? Because he wants Aaron Ar- Ar- Feldman's asgoma. He wants Ravelli Brutney's asgoma. But you believe knowledge is empowering, R- R- Rabbi Skays. What's been your experience when you've been? You say that you're, you've been counseling, you know, adults to have a sex addiction. What about before this book? And you know, w- when you were counseling kids who came to you with this problem? What was your usual response before your psychological training?
2: Well, uh, it changed over the years. I think in the beginning, I was probably closer to what this book is. But over the years, I came to uh, a different understanding of it. And and I uh, I would normalize it. I would point them to the, they wouldn't always be able to understand. But if they could look at the, you know, in the Siddharagra in the back, there's that uh, little passage where Chaim V'lezion talks about asking the Gra about the passage in the Zayar that says you can't do tshuva for it, and he writes that the Gara said they're misunderstanding the Zayar. So, uh, just to, I, I would take exactly this approach, to try to sow enough seeds of doubt that, oh, maybe it's not as bad as, you know, and to normalize it, and to, and to... um Rabbi Nachman Brest-Liver is also helpful in this respect. Yeah. And I would also... Point to Tfila Zaka and uh, uh, challenge them to watch carefully to see if if there's uh, any of the rest Yeshiva not crying when they're saying Tfila Zaka.
0: So, so let, let me get to another point that Dr. Zimmerman made on his podcast. He said that one of the things he disagrees with is that in the secular world there is, and this sort of gets us into another topic a little bit, but the use of pornography to help marriages out. And he feels that this is a very destructive approach. And I don't know if if there are elements in the book uh, speaking about against that, but he definitely has publicly spoken about this. Okay. So let me just say this. Pornography. Okay. What
1: is pornography? Is pornography a pictorial vision of people having sex? Is pornography a pictorial vision of genitals? Okay, is that considered bad? Is that considered evil? So I'll start with saying, my professional, no, it's not. Because it merely reflects reality. Pornography, when it's damaging, presents sexuality in a way that does not allow you then to function in a normal reciprocal sexual relationship, which also has feelings attached to it, okay? So a lot of the stuff that's labeled pornography involves abuse it involves depersonification, where sexuality involves genitals, genital A and genital B. In other words, there are pornography videos that don't even show the person. They show show sexual um, uh, organs doing things. You can call that pornography. The problem here is misinformation, which is then incorporated as the norm. And that, first of all, is a negative because it doesn't present the human aspect of sexuality which to some people overpowers in terms of the amount of energy you put in the sexual part okay but i'm not going to deal with the ratios i mean i'm not upset with people when they're sexual that they're mostly sexual I, I, it doesn't bother me as as a healthcare provider what bothers me is where it's reduced to only the physical and what bothers me even most when it's, produced, when it's reduced to total distortions of what sexuality is. You have to be able to do X and Y and Z and stuff that's actually, it's not, it's actually doctored using AI because those things are physically impossible. It's definitely not the norm. There ain't nobody's involved in that. Even the sexual porn actor, when he goes out and has his relationships, doesn't do that. That's going to be a problem. So schmutzige pictures, like my Rebbe used to call it, you looked at schmutzige pictures. I said, that's normal to look at schmutzige pictures. It's very exciting. It's interesting. It makes me feel excited. Don't bug me. But when schmutzige pictures are involving misinformation, they're going to mess you up psychologically. Even if you are an atheist who was born of an atheist who used to be a, a lapsed Catholic, it
2: makes no difference. Can I, I want to take that even a step further, though, because I think that when you couple that with the lack of education that we have in our system, that's what, that's when I have people that I'm dealing with. And I have dealt with both in the sense in the yeshiva and now uh, in my office who have this sense because of these images and because of the lack of education that they're missing out on all this great stuff that the secular world has. The real stuff, it's called real. They're missing out on real sexuality and they have pseudo garbage. Right, but they don't understand what real sexuality is. They think that all this stuff is the real stuff. And that's not, you know, it's interesting because it's not fair to only blame pornography, right? Just like in a couple, you can't just blame one person. There's always a system, right? So we are part of a system and we live in this world. So yes, there's pornography that is teaching these things that are unreal, we need to be teaching what is real. And Zimmerman does a lot of that.
1: He does a lot of that. Yes. He does a lot of that. But you see, to him, it's a combination with Kedusha. And I'm pre-Kedusha. I'm pre-religion here. I'm just saying,
0: be healthy, be normal. So the way I understand it, sometimes when couples feel a lack of attraction or a lack of sexual excitement with each other, a therapist might recommend that they watch a a, a soft porn video together. And I think he feels that this creates a problem. You guys are both saying that if it's not some sort of sadomasochistic weird thing, even though those bodies that are on the screen are a lot more attractive than the partners that are in bed, there's nothing wrong with absorbing the intense beauty or uh, of those images. Well, I, I would assume if the couple is coming to the therapist and saying they they aren't interested in each other sexually that clearly watching this video with the the way the camera angles are done and the whatever you want to call the abject beauty of the of the sexual partners that are on the screen can excite the couple and then they can then take out that excitement with each other do you see that as something negative.
2: I don't, I do not think that any, any couples therapist would go right to that. It, it maybe I could see it being part of a plan that would include date nights and conversations and engaging with each other. And maybe if there was some reason for that, but the idea that that would somehow be the, the solution or the, uh, uh, you know, the, the way I, I don't know, that just sounds a little bit out of context.
1: Well, no, it is out of context, but I'm saying if Rabbi Kivalevich is talking about sometimes specific examples, I mean, they do some kind of um, stuff like this in the official chasna and kala classes. You know, if you have this idea of sexuality, here's what sexuality looks like. Here's a one form of fairly typical sexuality, which sometimes is eye-opening to people who've been raised with crazinesses that sexuality involves who knows what, trapeze act. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And no, I see nothing. I personally, professionally, see nothing wrong with explicit sexual props or visual or, or videos or whatever that are accurate, that are normal, okay? And I have to tell you, Rainbow, that most people defy the norm of what they consider most attractive. Many people are turned on by the very things you say, turn you off because you don't compare to the model of the day the sexual model of the day.
0: Obviously, you know, there's no replacement to a healthy attraction and love and memory of the person that you're with. But I would assume when you're talking about these boys that Dr. Zimmerman writes the book for, who have watched porn, who have watched, who have seen these images, who have masturbated to these images, and now they get married and they want to be good yeshiva boys or good kolo boys, but the girl that they've, been connected to. And the girl that they've been told is a great aid of the girl doesn't in any way align to what they've been fantasizing about, that there's going to be problems. Am I just, for my case, am I on size? Isn't that, isn't that a problem that's prevalent?
2: There's no question. It is prevalent. You know, since there's not much research done in the firm world, particularly around these areas, we're sort of shooting in the dark here. Um, I, for example i i think another ex- example of that is uh, i i also listened to the podcast the thing that that re- b- jumped out to me is he justified the uh, he was trying to justify the book by saying that the research in the secular world about sex education uh he says the data is overwhelming uh that uh, education does not increase Curiosity or acting out. Uh, It's, it's actually a a, a very good deterrent in terms of inappropriate acting out and so on and so forth. He uses data from the secular world, but I I think that there's, there's a mistake there because the data from the secular world, um, may not apply. We don't know to generalize to the from world and the, and the education system that we have is problematic, right? So, so I think this idea that somehow what's, what goes on out there would work for us. Might not be correct unless we changed a lot, a lot of things, right? So this is one of them. The guys have a certain, uh, education until now. It's been pretty much non-existent in the yeshivas. It's been what they pick up on the street. W- w- young women have gotten more education, but also generally speaking, very more sheltered. That's my anecdotal experience is that Beziago girls are generally more sheltered than yeshiva guys. Whereas I would, I would think that the yeshiva guys by the time they're in base medrash, the amount that have been exposed to pornography is probably in the high 80s, if not low 90s, percentage wise. For young women in that age group, it's probably somewhere in the 50s or 60s. It's not it's not quite as high. Right. So, of course, there are going to be these expectations that come into the marriage that are not realistic, more often on the part of the of the husband. Uh, and that's going to create problems. But I think there's, there's just so many. We don't really know how to solve these problems. And I I, I think that this, is, this book is great. It's a great step in the right direction. I guess time will tell.
1: If I can just throw out another thing, the reason why, by the way, it's more problematical for men than for women or boys versus girls in the from world is because unfortunately, part of the education that we have is to teach women that this is a a male issue that they're there to kind of help out and go along with just so that they have a family and shalom bias or whatever. So they basically teach the girls to repress their interest and whatever, and just say, look, this is him and whatever. I mean, to the point that I asked my first cousin once saying, what did your parents tell you? This is a woman. Okay. When you got married, she says, whatever the husband says, that's what they told me. That's exciting. That takes the onus offer, all problems here, all mishagasin, all guilt is due to him, but you got to do it. Otherwise, you know, the world will, you know,
0: fall apart. So I'm doing my part of keeping this world. I'll tell you, when, when when I was watching Dr. Zimmerman speak and to the audience he was talking to, I was thinking that a world that both Rabbi Schaist and I inhabited in, in a certain sense, the modern, very modern Orthodox world, would sort of be... Almost snickering and saying, "Well, this is the reason why we believe co-education and having boys and girls together during the high school I- years is so much more healthy." And 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 I and again, you know, precisely, yes. So I heard my old principal in SAR saying, "You see, we don't have this problem." Right, right. They're the only ones that can afford me. They have the problem. Don't worry. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the idea that somehow they don't have the problem is is ridiculous. But also, on top of that, you know, I taught uh, in, uh, when I was in, living in Eretz Yisrael, I taught in the yeshiva for three years, and then I taught at Bar-Ilan University. Bar-Ilan University doesn't have co-ed classes, but they do have co-ed trips. And I have to say that uh, watching the social discomfort and complications of uh, boys and girls interacting in those trips and, and the lack of ease and the lack of ability to just be themselves and enjoy themselves was, was painful to me to watch after I had been for three years in a yeshiva for boys only where when we went on a Shabbaton or on a trip, everyone was just completely themselves. So there's there's pros and cons to everything. Every system has its pros and every system has its cons. We had a, a, a guy in yeshiva once from a Hasidish background who came to the yeshiva, and within uh, there was a a chasana. Some uh, one of the guys in the yeshiva got married and went to the chasana, and I, I, guys come calling to me. There's a fight outside. I go running outside, and there's like ten guys surrounding this guy. They're ready to beat. They're ready to beat him up. I said, I said "What's going on?" He propositioned uh, one of the guy's sisters. Because he thought, based on his complete lack of exposure to the world, that the way that you obtain sex in the world is that you just go over to a girl that you find attractive, and you start asking her whether she would be interested in doing something with you. And, of course, she was, horrify- you know, uh, appalled and said something to her brother, and they, they wanted to beat the guy up. So... That, that, and I, I talked to, so I was trying to figure out, is there something wrong with this guy? And it turns out he's just simply coming from a completely sheltered background, had no social cues, no idea how to be in the world. So that's a problem. And that's a, that's the, that's the deficit of a, of a system that, that separates people so, so completely.
1: If I could turn the screw on that, here's an image of a Hasidic person who rapes his wife. And sees nothing
0: wrong with it. He says, What do you mean? So I'm not sure. I think these stories sort of, you know, mitigate for the case of the modern Orthodox approach. Yes, there's going to be some perhaps touching and 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 sort of like you know hopping around as we used to call it in my in, in, in Yeshiva days, but they're going to be healthier than the repressed. Guys who get involved in a shame spiral who hate themselves and think themselves as, you know, as, as ugly, disgusting demons. And, and, and therefore they act if they are demons, that's the way they think their sexuality is. So I, again, I, remember, I've taught in both types of yeshivas, and, and I'm just wondering, maybe the lesser evil would be more exposure. In the adolescent age, to girls, and even what they do, like like if you, you know, like like even having social events that, even though might lead to something, maybe they won't be as damaging psychologically to the the, to the type of uh, tableau that Dr. Zimmerman is addressing.
2: Okay, but let's understand it's not like most people come out of the yeshiva system with such uh, social distortions, right? So we're giving there's a couple. Nor is it the case that all Hasidic men rape their wives, right? So we're talking about. Extreme cases that come out of the system. Like I said before, every system has its pros and cons. I'm sure that, uh, if you think about it, and we, I don't know that we have time to go into it, but there are many positive things that come about from separating the sexes at a, at a certain age. And that, and, and I have no problem with that, but let's just understand there is no, we do not have a perfect way. And the, the fact that, um, there is this idea that somehow, you know, non-coeducation, right? Separate education is 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 the only way. I, I don't know. You know. I think there's there's pros and cons to both. I think the key the key key idea I would stress is that the more
1: misinformation there is, the more problems there are in relationships. That does not mean that we can have a situation where there's no misinformation, because a lot of this misinformation is produced neurotically. It's not even produced based on facts. But if you take a situation where there is more inform- more misinformation, that means that when you get to the situation where you're supposed to have meaningful relationships, those distortions will come in and mess things up gratuitously. So I- I'm not arguing that having those kinds of relationships, um, you know, um, co-ed or knowing each other or messing around or fooling around will improve things. I'm not saying that at all. If there is no distortion, I'm willing to play the game. I'm willing to let the Catholics do what they want to and whatever, and let them, let them cite their statistics. But distortion is never the way. And I have to say that the massive repression that goes on in some of the yeshiva system involves deliberate distortion. I mean, it's malpractice to do that. Deliberate distortion. I mean, you really should be this kind of person. A normal kid does not do this. A normal kid goes ahead and just says shma whatever. Don't do that. You're making these kids feel
0: nuts. Let's let's wind up today with something I heard Dr. Zimmerman say, and I've heard you say something similar, and I've heard your Rebbe, I read what your Rebbe wrote about this. What Dr. Zimmerman said a number of times, and Rabbi's case, I'm sure you noted this, Hesachadas. One of the things that's necessary is being active and normal and have other activities and other things to do. And he mentioned sports and other things. He, he seemed to, to to believe that you own up to the problem, but you also give other outlets, not necessarily like a, a boys and girls prom or date night, but rather a totally different type of activity that gets your mind away that you're doing something, you're you're playing baseball, you're involved in some exciting trip or activity where you're just, your brain is going someplace else. Now, your Rebbe said that you can sublimate this this powerful urge and it can actually be the the generator of intense creativity, that you can actually use this somehow to, to, you're not, you, you go from being this this person pleasuring himself secretly to someone who takes that sexual energy and somehow is able to put it into painting, into writing, into being machadish. I have to stand
1: up for my rabbi over here. OK, that is a formula for civilization. It's not a formula for a person. You don't tell a person you're hungry You know how a deal with hungry. Go paint. OK, you're not know a deal with the need to, to masturbate. Go, 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 go skating.
2: That's not a formula. I'll take that one step further when you tell somebody that this is the right way to do it is to go play sports and go, first of all, they don't even let sports in half these places, but okay, but go, go do this and go distract yourself. Then the underlying unspoken message on some level is you could have been distracting yourself and you didn't. Right on. Yeah. It's evil. That it's evil. Do something
1: else. Freud's formula. Don't confuse the microcosm. Of 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 civilization with individual therapy. You don't tell somebody become a sculptor when you have
0: an anal fixation. You don't do that. So you you can't consciously. It's like and nitzotos. You're not. You can't consciously do it. It happens you cannot, if
1: you do use a defense mechanism consciously. You're probably psychotic.
0: You're saying when you have someone who's doing that, you applaud it, but that's not the way to minister to someone with the problem.
1: It would not be a bad idea to a father who's terrorized by his kid masturbating to buy him a, a, a I don't know, a model airplanes. It's not bad, but not to tell him here. Do this so you that that stuff will
0: go away, and you won't have any awards. So it's 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 in a passive, uh, sort of wafting way, as opposed to saying this is the way we're going to take this and turn it into something.
2: I don't particular. think Simon was actually saying that. I think what he's saying, and he says it pretty clearly, he says, if you have healthy interests in the world and you're involved and you're doing anything and is not involved in the world, doesn't have healthy pursuits. So yeah, it's going to be a bigger issue because they're going to be sitting alone in their room and with nothing else to think about. So. I don't think he's suggesting it as a specific tikkun, like, oh, you're having these thoughts? Go do this. I think that would be a terrible thing. I agree with Dr. Juni. That's not a it's not a recipe at all. But the idea that a kid should be healthily involved in the world and active and so on, get enough sleep, uh, eat properly, uh, and so on, th- those are wonderful ideas.
0: But the schools where that are taking up most of their time, it, I guess what we could say is they should— they might not go co ed, but they should have more extracurricular activities. There should be more things happening. It shouldn't just be the 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 standard block of let's say this typical yeshiva high school where you have your your morning in Wamude Kodesh, then Mude Chol, then you come back for night Seder. Those things are not a great recipe for someone who's struggling with these issues.
2: I would argue that all day, but I don't know what that has to do with it's uh <laughs> There are many other reasons why that's a really important thing.
0: Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is is that if it's true that as as Dr. Zimmerman says that these are courageous warriors that are trying to fight the battle against all the the, the images that are that are being offered to them, the more we offer them in, in in other ways, the less they're going to be seduced, so so to speak, or wanting uh, to spend so much time involved as this. Let me let me just tweak the boogeyman a little
1: bit. I am like disturbed by the idea that this is called, and you have to call it in Hebrew, if you're saying that an interest and over-preoccupation with sexuality is problematic, talk about that. But what if you do ejaculate, you don't ejaculate? What is this obsession here? If you're going to say that somebody who plays with, let's talk about a woman, right? Girls who um, masturbate all day have the same problems as boys who masturbate all day. And there is no ejaculation there that's of, of any significance, right? So by focusing on this, we're basically um halachic pathologizing the whole thing onto a specific facet which is irrelevant. What if a kid says, okay, I am not gonna ejaculate. Now I'm fine. Can I masturbate all day? Can I look at porn? Yes, it's it does just nothing listed in in the 613 uh, you know. 613 million things published by Arts Grow that you can't masturbate and you can't look at pictures. The only problem is that you might, you might, come on, give me well, a break. I don't think the book says, I think the book does. Talk. I'm not talking about the book. I preface that. I'm not, to, I'm talking about boogeyman.
0: Right. Got it. Yeah. yeah. It, but We should eliminate the term. I saw zero of Atola because it's, I it's, would
1: love that. From, from a psychology, you're dealing with someone who has an unhealthy, Picture of sexuality, who is perhaps over-involved and leads him into distortions that'll mess up his capacity for a meaningful relationship in the future. That's what scares the hell out of me. Hatzor Zelavatelo, I'll leave that to my rabbi.
2: By the way, that is that is the thing that I always told me them that the, I would ask them, what do you think the best reason not to be so involved in this is? If they would tell me about pornography, they would say what the, they would say it's an avera, it's this, it's that. I would say no. The best reason is because one day you're going to want to have a real relationship with a real woman and this could get in the way. That's it.
0: All right. Listen, I want to thank both of you for really commenting on, on, on a topic, which I know you don't find taboo, but I know it's sometimes uncomfortable to speak about publicly. And maybe, you know, we joined this wave of openness and we're applauding the book for its intent, for what he's trying to accomplish. We believe more needs to be done. And it's a great first step. Thanks so much for for taking the time here. Dr. Juni, Rabbi's talk soon to be doctor's case, right?
2: Yes. <laughs> Take care,
0: everybody. We'll catch you hopefully soon again. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.